Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, so glad that you are here today and uh, I I noticed you decided not to go to the beach today. So uh, whatever God's got to do, you know, to get you into church, he'll, he'll cool it down around here. Uh, we're going to pass out some blankets. Usher's coming with blankets right now to warm everybody up. Some of us Florida people aren't used to this cold weather. We want to greet also our campuses, Redbug Lake and Michigan Street campuses here at Cray Ford. We just kind of all clap together just saying we love the family of God. And so you guys are so important. Or maybe you're watching on a screen somewhere else. Uh, So glad that you're here uh, taking part in this service, and we look forward to very soon, hopefully you can be in uh, in person in one of the campuses, uh, because it's just even better when you're here live. But I want to do something before we jump into this message. We have um, some new staff members that I would like to introduce to you, and so Pastor David and Crystal and uh, Lincoln and Breyer are all coming to the platform real quick. Lincoln is leading the way. And uh, Pastor David and Crystal have come on staff as our, as our discipleship pastors and uh, pray for their children. They don't have much energy. And uh, no, but uh, Pastor David and Crystal have a long history uh, back a few years here uh, at Faith Assembly and they are going to be, already are, being, uh, c- continuing to be such a blessing to us. And so, Pastor David, you want to share a little bit? Absolutely. Pastor Johnny, thank you so much. It's just an honor to, to serve you and serve Faith. And, and I can't tell you what this church means to us. Um, you know, actually, I, we met here. We served here. Um, we got married here. So shout out to Michigan Street. We got married over there and <laughs> served here and was on staff here for, you know, some time. And, and we're, we're just honored that God uh, has just replanted us here. And we're so excited for the vision. We believe that Orlando is about to be impacted like never before. Amen. And we are just so excited to be home. And Pastor Johnny, thank you so much. And Jamie, it's just an honor. It is absolutely incredible standing here and just being honored to be able to serve you guys once again. I grew up here. I went to school here. I am who I am today because of this church and what God has done through this church. So I'm beyond grateful to be here to serve you guys, to serve Pastor Johnny, and just, man, let God use us however he wants. So, man, you guys are incredible. We're glad to be back into our family again. Awesome. Uh, Hey, one more time. Give it up for the Slaytons and the whole crew. Love you guys. Bless you. And as uh, we have mentioned a couple times, maybe in the service, but we are in a season of prayer and fasting. We have seven more days left, and if you've not jumped on the fast with us yet, you can jump on these last seven days. I encourage you to do so. Um, You can do it. Last seven days, what we're doing is no meat, no bread, no sweets, and no smiling. Those are the four things that we're asking you to just cut out of your life altogether. No, I'm just kidding. You can smile all the time if you want to. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we're doing that, fasting. But it's not just fasting because if it was just about food, that's called a diet. This is a spiritual experience. And so we're, it's a season of prayer and fasting, right? And so we're also devoting extra time to prayer. Uh, matter of fact, this Wednesday night will be a 
a prayer uh, focus in the service. And then also Friday night is our uh, third in a row Friday night prayer meeting. This Friday night, it'll be across all of our campuses. So Redbug, Michigan Street, and here. Everybody's having a Friday night prayer at 7 o'clock. If you've never been out to a prayer meeting, I promise, I promise you will be glad you did. God has been showing up on those Friday nights in such a uh, real way. And so that's going on. Uh, one of the things we'll be praying about on Friday night is Super Sunday. Now, we may at some point start praying for actual, like, which team God wants to win the Super Bowl. We may get to that. I'm not going to get into that today. But we're praying for Super Sunday, and here's why. Um, I'm calling it Super Sunday, but I'm adding an extra word in my brain, and this is the extra word, Supernatural Sunday. We are believing on, on February 13th in those morning services across all of our campuses, we are believing for a supernatural harvest of souls. Look, we're gonna use this uh, event as a reason to invite and draw in people that are far from God, that are unchurched, and uh, we're gonna try to do some things that'll make them maybe want to be a part of a service for that one morning, and I'm going to present the most clear, uh, passionate gospel message that I know how to, to present, and we're not believing for dozens to be saved on that Sunday morning. We're believing for hundreds. I believe that we will see hundreds flood our altars on Super Sunday. So really, really be praying about that with us. Be praying about who God would have you invite. I believe that God's gonna ordain some, uh, some appointments with some people and then it's gonna come to mind and you're gonna know, oh yeah, I work with him all the time, but he, he might come. I work with her, she might come, or my, my neighbors, they might come to this. And so uh, first time guests will be able to maybe win some door prizes. We're just doing some stuff uh, to, uh, to, to see a harvest come. So that's Super Sunday. And uh, we'll be praying for that as well. Let me read this passage of scripture. Well, let me tell you what, before we pray, we've been in this series, What Kind of Church Is That? And uh, this is uh, week three of What Kind of Church Is That? <clears throat> week one was we are a consecrated church. Week two was we are a worshiping church. Y'all are quiet on me. I said we're a consecrated church. Yeah. Oh, we're a worshiping church. Yeah, and week three, we are a generous church. Oh, come on, put your hands together. We, we love generosity. And uh, before we pray, let me read this passage of scripture that will be our launching, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, and then we're gonna pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. We'll, we'll, we're gonna look at a lot of scripture today, but we'll kind of launch out of here. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, you will be enriched in every way. Oh, somebody just claimed that. Just take that right there. You'll be enriched in every way. When we say, bring it on, Lord, so be it. Amen. But there's a reason why. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. That's why we would pray for, that we would be enriched. So that we could be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, oh, that we would be a generous church. Let's pray that we'll be open to the word today. Lord, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our lives to what your word says about us. We even give you permission today to interfere with our little perfect mess. We give you permission to interfere with the way we've been doing things, the way we've been handling things. We give you permission to interfere with our priorities. And I pray, God, that uh, you would speak to us today, that you would anoint this word. We take a moment right now and pray for February 13th, Super Sunday. We pray for hundreds. We pray for a harvest. It's ripe. It's ready. 
And I pray that you'd use us, send us out like, like workers in the harvest field over these next two weeks and, and give us ears to hear what you're leading us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, as we jump into this message and this thought on being a generous church, let me open with a bit of a, a, a moment in history. Y'all ready for a little history lesson here? There was a czar uh, of Russia, his name was Ivan the Great. I don't know how you earn that nickname, but I'm hoping at some point in my life I become known as Johnny the Great. That would just be, I think about all the other Ivans back in the 15th century when Ivan the Great was Ivan the Great, and you know, then there was the other Ivan, Ivan the Mediocre, you know, like how'd you like, or Ivan the Disappointment, like are you Ivan the Great? And like, I'm, I'm the Disappointment. Oh, where's the Great? I'm looking for Ivan the Great. So Ivan the Great was the Tsar of Russia during the 15th century. He <clears throat> ended up bringing together uh, all these different warring, warring tribes into one like, vast empire, the Soviet Union. Uh, and as a result of that, um, I mean, he became well known across the world. Uh, as a fighting man, he was courageous. As a general, he was brilliant. As a leader, uh, qualified. However, Ivan the Great was so busy that he really never had time to take a wife and, and make a family. Some of those that were closest to him, some of his advisors came to Ivan and said, uh, hey, you should get married, you should make a family, you should find a wife that can bear you a son so there can be a legacy and if something happens to you, your son could step right in and continue to lead. Uh, and so he said, well, I just don't have time for that. But he said, if you guys wanna go and find me a, a suitable wife, then I will consider it. And so those advisors began a search. And they went across all the capitals of Europe. And they began to search for a suitable bride and a suitable bride they found. Uh, it was actually the king of Greece's daughter. She was young, she was beautiful, she was smart, she was nice. And uh, when they found her, they thought, you know what, you'll be perfect for Ivan. And uh, when the king of Greece heard about this, he also was uh, in favor of this because this would align Greece politically with this great power from the north, and so he was kind of all about it. But he did have one stipulation. They came back and told Ivan, and he said, oh yes, I, it sounds like this will be perfect. And so Ivan was happy about it, but the king, the, the, the bride's dad had one stipulation. The stipulation was this. He said, uh, my, my daughter cannot marry anyone that's not been baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. We, we, we have firm beliefs about that. So Ivan heard about this and he said, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so the king of Greece sent a priest all the way to Moscow to start training Ivan the Great in the catechism. And he was a quick learner. He picked up all of the uh, verses and all the things that he needed to. <clears throat> he was a quick study. In record time, he was ready to go. And so now was the time for the journey to uh, Athens so that he could be baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church and then marry the king's daughter. This is true history. So they make their journey, Ivan the Great and 500 of his best men. I mean, his closest fighters, his palace guard, they came with him. And along the journey, the uh, the guards, these 500 fighting men, they start to kind of hear what this is all about. And along the journey, they decide, you know what? Out of loyalty to you, king, we also want to be baptized. Not just the king, but we want to be baptized into the Greek, or Greek Orthodox Church as well. So word gets to the, to the 
leading priest there, and he assigns 500 priests from the Greek Orthodox Church to now train these 500 men that are with Ivan. So they go through as quick of a training as they can, as they see fit, and now these 500 men are ready to go, and the day has arrived. Hundreds have gathered to watch this amazing moment where these uh, Greek Orthodox priests are gonna baptize some 500 people into the church. And the, the priests are all dressed in their priestly robes. It would be a long black robe and a, a long black hat. That was their outfits. And when the soldiers came out for their baptism, uh, I don't know if anybody expected it, but they were in their full military gear. I mean, ribbons and medals of honor and their weapons, and they show up and they're ready to go be baptized. And someone notices that these men are not just men, but they're soldiers. And someone brings it to the attention of the, the priest, the, the highest priest of the church, and said, hey, um, we can't baptize these, these men. They would have to give up their commitment to bloodshed if they're gonna be a part of the church. You can't be a killer and a church member. No, that's not what we believe. And so word gets back to Ivan, says, well, we can't do this because your men would have to commit to this. And so these heavy negotiations start to take place. And they start to talk through what could happen and what would be a solution to this, and they came to a rather simple, crude uh, solution to this problem. And so then, here comes these 1,000 people, 500 priests and 500 soldiers in their full uniforms, both walking out into the blue Mediterranean to be baptized in water. And as the words began to speak, uh, as the words of the priest began to speak to baptize them in water, each of these fighting men withdrew their sword and raised it high in the air. And then as they were, every single man uh, baptized, every single man completely submerged in the water, all except for their fighting arm and their sword. That remained unbaptized, but everything else was baptized. Isn't that kind of an interesting picture of some of the church today? I mean, it's like, God, I'm, I'm mostly in. God, I'm, I'm mostly in, but just, if, what if it was, what if, what part of you is out of the water? That's the question we gotta ask. Is there any part of me that I'm still holding up out of the water? Like, what am I holding up out of the water? We, we are talking about a generous church, and some of us, we, we got, I'm all in. I'm baptized all except for my, my credit card. Let me just keep this. Let me just keep my budget out of the water. Let me just keep my checkbook out of the water. Let me just keep my love of money out of the uh, water. Everything else, I'm in, God. Matter of fact, John Wesley, he was the founder of the Methodist Church, and he said it this way. He said, the last part of a man to be converted is his wallet. The last part of the man to get submerged and converted is his wallet. And maybe somebody's sitting here, no doubt, no doubt somebody sitting here is going, I, I mean, here we go again. I can't believe they're gonna talk about money in church. Well, did you know this? Because we're gonna teach the word of God in this place. Yeah, we are. <laughs> did you know... Did you know that in the Bible, there are about 500 verses about prayer and fasting? But there are over 2,300 verses about money and what we're supposed to do with our money. <clears throat> and we're gonna cover all 2,356 of them today. <laughs> so just get comfortable. 
right there where you are. How can we not talk about money? The Bible talks about money so much, so if we're gonna teach the word of God, we're gonna do that. And the reason why we would talk about it is because money can have such a grip on our life that it can now keep us from being blessed by God and it can keep us from being a blessing to others. This, this, what, if, we, if we handle money incorrectly, so how can we not talk about it? I wanna tell you right now up front before we dive into this even any further than we already are, I wanna share my, my motivation. I am not here to manipulate anybody. If at the end of this message you start to think about changing your life and you feel like it's because you were manipulated by me, just sit it out and don't do it. I'm not here to manipulate. I, my motivation is this. I want something for you. Way more than I want something from you. It's something for you. That's, that's what this is about. This is about us understanding the life of, of generosity. This is about us understanding the exhilarating, I mean, what a way to live. The most fulfilling life that you can live, the most rewarding life you can live is a life of generosity. So why should you be generous along, uh, along, along with us as a generous church? Let's look at a couple reasons. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. So we read a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 9, 5. Let me read verse 6. It says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Why should you be generous? Because generosity initiates God's generosity towards you. That, my friend, is a good deal. My generosity initiates and activates God's generosity towards me. That's a good deal all the way around because God owns it all. I mean, if I got him on my team, I'm in, I'm in good shape. There are, there are some spiritual laws that God established that we get to see played out in the physical realm. Like, there are some spiritual laws that also are physical laws, so we really get to understand them and see them. And the law of the harvest is one of those, which is what Paul's talking about here as he writes this letter to Corinth. You sow a little, you're gonna reap a little. You sow a lot, you're gonna, you're gonna reap a lot. It's the law of the harvest, and we understand that in the physical realm, and this goes all the way back in the Bible to the very beginning. I'm talking, you can't get any more beginning than Genesis chapter one. And it talks about reaping and sowing, and it talks about that when we sow a certain thing, we're gonna reap a certain thing. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter one, verse 11 and 12. It says, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, look at it, according to their various kinds. If I'm a plant an apple seed, I expect an apple tree, according to its kinds. Verse 12 says, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. We're gonna reap what we sow according to kind. So like some of us over the last couple of weeks, we've been sowing devotion. You know what we've been reaping? The presence of God in our life according to, according to its kind. Some of us have known seasons of our life where we've sown into sin and disobedience and we reap the whirlwind. We reap the consequence of sin because we're gonna reap according to the kind that we sow. But if I sow righteousness, I'm gonna reap the fruit of unfailing love in my life. And so we reap according to this kind that we sowed. So we can now say in this realm, when we're talking about generosity, when we're talking about resource, when we're talking about finances, when I sow 
finances, then what is the kind I'm going to reap? And I don't say this as motivation for you to give. We don't give to get. God's not up in heaven going, I hope my people learn how to be good getters. No, that's not why I say this. I don't say this as motivation for our giving. I say this to free us from the fear of giving. I don't have to worry about giving because I know that I'll reap according to my kind. I'd say it so that it can free us from the fear of giving and so that we have an understanding of the blessing and the reward of giving. Look how Jesus talked about this sowing and reaping in Luke chapter six. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sometimes we might hear of somebody or notice somebody who is an, a, a, a generous giver, an extravagant giver, and we go, well, yeah, I mean, they can do that because they have a lot of money. That's why they can do that. We might have it backwards, though, in that situation because they might be doing that because they were already sowing before they had all the money. They were already sowing, and now they're in a season of reaping, and now, yes, that generosity just continue and can multiply. I want you to look at how um, Malachi frames this thought of fear, freeing, being freed from the fear of giving and, uh, and the blessing of giving and being generous. Look how Malachi chapter three, verse eight through 10 frames this same concept. Now, now watch this, look at, look at what the word. And again, I'm not here to share my opinion. The reason why we're using a lot of scripture today is because we're, we're gonna let the word of God do the heavy lifting today. We're just gonna see what God speaks to us through his word. Malachi three, eight through 10. Will a man rob God? This is some pretty aggressive language here. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me, God says. You say, in what way have we robbed you? And this is what God says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Wait a minute, you talking about being under a curse? I'll explain that, just keep that question right above your head in that thought bubble. Just keep that question. How is it that we can be cursed? Just keep that there, I'll answer it in a moment. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The next verse goes on to say, and I'll even rebuke the devourer. When something's trying to come and, and, and attack uh, your resources, I'll rebuke that. Now, in that verse nine, said you're under a curse because you've robbed me. And I want you to think about the curse maybe this way, because sometimes that language is a little tough for us to understand. If I were to go outside uh, on a day that it's just one of those summer thunderstorms in, in central Florida, and I just went and I just stood out there in that rain, I just stood in that environment, and there were some other people standing in that environment, you know what would happen? I would get soaked. I mean, everything would get wet. And uh, I would get cold maybe, I'd get wet. I mean, every, my phone would get wet, my phone would end up probably having some sort of problem with it, right? It would probably like, have a short or something like that because it got wet and my wallet's getting wet. Everything's getting wet. I'm getting miserable. It's just not a good thing. And there I am just standing out in the rain. But if I'm out in that same exact rainstorm and the rain is coming down at the same velocity it was coming down before, but I have this, now I'm good. I'm staying dry. Without this, I'm wet. 
but here I'm dry. Here I'm miserable. Here I'm satisfied. Here I'm getting cold. Here I'm in the warmth I'm taking care of because I have this covering. So when we talk about when God says you are cursed with a curse, what he's actually saying is there's a curse out there. Everybody's living under the curse. I mean, sin is already, that's already out there. And so there's already a devourer. And so that is there. It's devouring. It's cursed. We're getting wet. We're getting miserable. We're losing things. We're, we're, uh, we're, 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 we're short things. And that's the curse. And when we say, God, I want to honor you with the tithe. I want to honor you with generosity. I want to honor you with my giving. What happens is God comes and protects us from the environment, protects us from the curse. That's what it means to not live under a curse. And so as we think about this idea that, oh, you know, there could, there, could be a, there could be a curse in my life, ultimately, when we're robbing God, because he says, how you rob me? Ultimately, what we're robbing God of is the opportunity to protect us and bless us. I mean, yes, we're robbing the tithe, but ultimately, we're robbing him the opportunity to say, let me be the covering over your life. Let me protect you from, from the devourer. Let me make sure that, that your things stay the way they should. And then, secondly, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Why, why be generous? Because generosity makes tithing and giving joyful activities. I, I'm, I'm serious about this. Let me say it this way. Tithing, generosity makes tithing and giving, dare I say it, Fun. It makes it fun. And, and it's good because that's the kind of giving God's interested in. Because in the next verse in 2 Corinthians 9, where we launched out of, verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And when I live a life of generosity, giving can be Fun. When I understand the protection that giving and generosity initiates in my life, I can do it with a smile on my face. Look at this verse in verse 7. How I give is just as important as how much I give. Isn't that something? How I give is important, just like how much I give is important. Uh, and, and, and so, I could preach really a long time just on this one verse as we, we look at this. Giving should be decided. He said, give what you've decided in your heart. Think about that. Like, I've already decided what I'm giving. It should be devoted. It's, the de decision happens in my heart. It should be deliberate, because he says, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. And it should be delightful, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, that, to me, sounds like the tithe fits right there in that category. Decided, devoted, deliberate, delightful. It sounds like the tithe sits right in. One of the reasons why I say that is because if you go back one page, same letter to the same church, same author Paul, one chapter previous, he says this, give in proportion to what you have. That sounds like percentage-based giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Cheerful heart. And give according to what you have. Paul says it again. He says it twice in the same verse. Give according to what you have and not what you don't have. 
Some of us, our giving to God is more about what we don't have. And so we go, well, God, I don't have this yet, so I can't give this month. I don't have the new car yet, and I don't have the fancy, and I don't have the new outfit, and I don't have, so I, since I don't have that, I can't give. Paul says, don't give based on what you don't have. Give based on what you do have. And that's what the tithe does. So like, like for instance, I have here in my pocket $10. Um, don't be jealous of my, my wad of cash here. I got 10 $1 bills. Let's do a little math test. If I have 10 $1 bills, uh, how much of this is a tithe? All right, across all our campuses, I heard it, $1. Okay, this is the bonus question. Which dollar? The first dollar, oh yes. So it's the first dollar is, is the tithe and the rest now is I gotta be a good steward of this. There's both parts of this, but I gotta be a good steward of this. Let me show you this principle of first, this principle of first fruits. Let me show it to you real quickly in a, in a couple of scriptures. Exodus 23. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I like how it says the first of the first fruits. It's like, in case you don't understand first fruits, I'll add one more first in there. The first of the first fruits you shall bring to the house of the Lord. It's a principle. Now we go Proverbs chapter 3. This is now not part of the law. This is after the law. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. I like Romans 11. Look how Romans 11 says it. It says, for if the first fruit is holy, then the lump is holy. Some of y'all need some redemption of the lump. Like you need redemption of the rest. You need to figure out what's going on with this. You're going, why can't I, why do I, men's are never met. There's never enough. I'm always in lack. And God would say, you know what? If the first fruit is holy, this becomes holy. If the root is holy, so are all of the branches. And so that's what um, I believe Paul's talking about in chapter eight and chapter nine. And so with this $10, um, does anybody, anybody just need $10? Anybody say like, I, I just, I need, I could use $10. You could, Josh? All right, here you go. Come grab this. Are you guys impressed with my generosity right there? Look at that. I just gave him $10, amen. Now what you may or may not know is it was really easy for me to do that. Um, mostly because he's the one that gave me that $10 this morning. Because I said I need to do an illustration. He said, okay, and he, he gave it his. It was really easy for me to give back what was his. So when we understand that everything I have comes from God anyway, oh, it's so easy. That's why it's so easy to be cheerful and joyful givers, because it's all from him anyway. Amen. It doesn't take as much faith to give the last 10%. No, it's the first 10%. It, it opens this, this, uh, this thought that, God, I'm trusting you with everything that I have. And God can't be anything but first. Like that's the only spot God can occupy. First commandment, you should, have no, you should have no other gods before me. Like you may have some little gods in your life, but they can't be before me. Uh, God says, I have to be first. And, and um, I like the way in, in Colossians it talks about the, this, this word called preeminence. And it's one of the attributes of God and it just means first. Preeminence, Colossians 1 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, including my finances, that in all things he may have 
the preeminence. And one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is actually found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's misquoted all the time because people say, um, the love of money is the root. I'm sorry, people say misquote it and say money is the root of all evil. I want you to look closely at what it says. It says, no, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And when I am generous, when I understand this foundation of tithing, it breaks the love of money off my life. And it gets, have you ever noticed this? It's easy to share things that you don't love. You notice that? Like, which, which clothes are you taking over to the clothing bank? Like, it's never your, your newest favorite outfit that you love so much. No, it's the old one that you ain't worn in like five years, and you're finally cleaning out your closet. It's easy to give away what I don't love. You know, I notice this, that it happens all the time at the dinner table, like, or at, at a restaurant, right? And somebody tastes something, and it tastes bad, and they don't like it. What's the first thing they say? Ugh, this tastes weird. Taste this. <laughs> it literally happened to us yesterday. One of my sons tasted some guac. He said, this guac tastes weird. Taste this. Now, we don't do it like this. We don't go, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had. Come on, everyone at the table, I want you all to have some. We don't do that. Why? Because we love that, and it's tough to give away what you love. And so God says, if you love too money, too, love money too much, you're never going to get to the point of being a cheerful giver. But if you can let that break off your life, that's why you can clap your hands around here when it comes time for offering, because we say we don't love it anyway. We love God way more than we love the money. And that's why we do what we do. The enemy comes and tries to lie to you. You can't give. You're gonna lose your job. You're gonna lose your house. Kids aren't gonna have enough. This ain't gonna work out. You can say, no, no, no. God's first in my life. I'm living under the umbrella. I am protected. The devourer has been destroyed. I'm, I'm gonna be all right. And that's the promise we see in scripture. Thirdly would be this. If you're taking notes, jot this one down. Generosity is also an essential part of the life of faith and trust. It's, that's what we're called to. And generosity is a big part of it. This life of faith and trusting God. I'm gonna read this verse in verse eight, again in 2 Corinthians 9, in the same passage that's talking about finances. I want you to notice as we look at this verse, I want you to notice the universals, the absolutes. May they jump out to you as we read this passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you, but not just bless you, bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times and having all you need, that you will abound in every good work. Look at that. Abundantly, all things, all times, all you need, every good work. Those are some, I mean, that's some language right there. Those are some absolutes. And I don't think this is, this does not mean that God is saying, I'm gonna make every Christian wealthy in material things. That's not what he's saying. But it is saying this, you're gonna have exactly what you need. You're not gonna be in lack. I can tell you that. That's what God is saying in, the, in, this, in this passage of scripture. About maybe six months ago, Jamie and I went to dinner with a couple from our church. They were in first service. It's a couple that's so dear to our heart. And as we sat at dinner, they began to tell us their story and their journey, especially as it relates to, to generosity and giving and resource. He began to tell me with tears in his eye about the, some of the seasons of their life four or five years ago, six years ago, where things were so thin, 
there just, just wasn't, it just it was a struggle. I mean, things broken around the house that they couldn't afford to fix. Birthdays and holidays coming through and they weren't able to celebrate or be giving the gifts that they would have loved to give to their family. Sometimes being concerned about food on the table and they said all during that season, number one, we stayed faithful to God. And they said all during that season of, of, of lack a little bit, they said, but God always provided. Sat there and gave me story, moment after moment of when just Stuff would just show up out of nowhere with no explanation other than God took care of us. But the story doesn't even end there. Because then as we were sitting there talking that day, they were in the midst of a different season now. They were in a season of abundance. And God had turned things around in, in some things with employment and with some blessing. And, 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 and he was at a place where he was prospering. And I knew exactly why he was where he was now is because he stayed faithful when it was thin. Yeah. And this is part of the faith journey. <clears throat> giving's not something that we just do. I hope you don't just do giving today, but it's something that we are. So in good or in, or in lack or in a lot or less, I, I'm, I just am a giver. It's just something that I, I am. See, the world can't understand a verse like Proverbs 11, 24. The world doesn't understand it, but we do. Proverbs 11, 24. Give freely and become more wealthy. The world goes, no, it doesn't work like that. But in God's economy, it's, 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 it does. It's, it's backwards. Give freely and become more wealthy, but be stingy and lose everything. The world can't understand that. And that's why we say all the time, we don't give to get. No, we get to give. Oh, we get to do this. Do you know why God invented tithing? God did not invent tithing so that the church could move forward. God did not invent tithing so that the church could grow. God invented tithing so that you could move forward. God invented giving so that you could grow in your faith journey. So that's why I wonder what would happen across all of our campuses if today I said, hey, it's offering time. We're getting ready to put God to the test. We're getting ready to show God that we trust him, that he's first in our life. So come on, let's thank God that we have something to give amen and as we get ready to give of God's tithe and our offerings I want to ask you to do something some of you have reoccurring giving already set up and that's a great thing it kind of just if you if your income stays steady boy that's a great way to tithe because you don't have to worry about it from week to week but I would encourage you to do this if you have reoccurring giving set up when we have these moments in services where we're giving and there's that little pause Take those 30, 45 seconds, minute, whatever, and just sit there and thank God. Make that a spiritual thing and say, God, I thank you that I already gave my tithe. I thank you, God, that you're blessing me. I thank you, God, that I'm walking under your provision. I thank you I'm walking under your protection. Just take those moments and make that a spiritual thing. And for those of you who don't have that set up, I encourage you today, if maybe this is the start of this journey for you. Then get, maybe you get your phone out. You can write a check. You can do cash. There's envelopes there, and you would put that, on, on, give that in the, on the way out. But if you're doing digitally, you can go to faithassembly.org and do it there, or you can do it uh, through the Faith Assembly app. Um, but if you've never done it before, this is a great day to start. We're kind of at the beginning of the year, and I'm just going to pray blessing. I'm going to pray God's provision. I'm going to pray that a spirit of generosity hits you and that there are people 
all across this city, across this nation, across this world that are thankful to God because of our generosity. Let's pray and let's get ready to give today. Lord, I just pray you would speak to us. God, if anyone is feeling compulsive right now, if anyone is feeling reluctant right now because they feel like they're being manipulated, I just pray, God, you just come through and bring clarity because that's not what we're doing. But God, as we give today with cheerful hearts, with excitement, I thank you, God, for every need being met. I do just pray for blessing right now. I pray for new jobs. I pray for raises. I pray for provision coming out of places that we would least expect it. I pray for double portion, God. It's not why we do it, it's not. We just do it because we love you, but we can do it without fear knowing that there is a law at work in our giving, in our generosity. So in Jesus' name, as we give this to you, we bless you, amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.